So, Holden, the world is wondering, what does your Thanksgiving plate look like? Oh, like, you know, what do what I put you, on? What do I eat? Yeah, what are some of your favorites? You know, what what's what does your plate look like on Thanksgiving? Okay, so I, I, I have this thing problem that I realize where I always think I want both ham and turkey, but then I always, and I get, like, a little bit of turkey. I'm like, oh, I'm good, and then I just eat a bunch of ham. <laughs> I'm much more of a ham guy. Uh, on Thanksgiving um, I was gonna ask I was gonna ask turkey or ham so I'm also a ham person but my family doesn't have ham on Thanksgiving that is like exclusively Easter and Christmas huh. for us uh, it just hasn't been there uh, but I've I'll, I'll get more on to uh, what I do with turkey to improve it in a second, but I'll let you continue, Holman. Yeah, um, I and then of, of course I'm into like mashed potatoes, a bunch of veggies, pumpkin pie, uh, you know, rolls, a lot of the classics. I don't like stuffing. I've never been. I don't remember the last time I've actually tried to eat it because I think when I was little I didn't like it. But I haven't, like, to be fair to stuffing, I haven't retried stuffing. I think every year I take a little bit to see. Because I, I definitely, I'm like, every year I'm renewed in my dislike for stuffing. But, and then I also don't, I actually don't like gravy. Like, people love putting gravy on, like, turkey. But I just prefer turkey dry, honestly. So, here's, yeah. So, me, I used to not like gravy. Now, my Thanksgiving plate is basically everything is just a vessel to get the gravy into my 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 face, uh, into my <laughs> mouth. That is the that is the what the is used for. The food is a means to an end oh, okay. to get the gravy into my mouth, um, <laughs> and that is what has vastly improved the quality and taste of turkey. <laughs> and my opinion of turkey over the years is uh, growing an, an acquired taste for loving gravy. Now I just shove it in my face. You got the you got the turkey. Um, light and dark meat. Uh, I prefer the dark, but you know, just pour a little extra gravy in the the, the white meat. Makes it taste better. Um, then you got the mashed potatoes, just mushy gravy. And then you get uh, <laughs> the, you got the um, green bean casserole. Again, didn't like that when I was little. Now I love it. Excellent. Um, not a big uh, sweet potato with the the cinnamon and no, marshmallows. I don't, I don't like that either. Not a big person for that, you know. Well, I think um, my mom is the only person in my family who likes that. Come on, Darla. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody's got to eat it. Good for Darla. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, on the side, you got the Hawaiian roll. Oh, uh, the yeah. Hawaiian oh. bun. Mm. Kings. And Hawaiian. by the, yeah, I got you. Got to have about a half dozen of those at least. <laughs> the little poppers. Um, oh. And then. I am not a pumpkin pie guy, so uh, Thanksgiving usually is a little lacking in the dessert category for me. Oh, so. I love pumpkin pie, and that's uh, that's a fairly recent development in the last probably five years or so. But uh, oh, pumpkin pie, yeah, Yum. pumpkin pie did not exist before the last five years. No, it was not popular. It, for me, I didn't like it before five years ago. <laughs> those pumpkin pie blizzards from Dairy Queen, those are heavenly. Those are my yeah. favorite Blizzard by far. Okay, Holden, why don't you go get a pumpkin spice latte while you're at it, huh? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. There is no Jimmy, only Zool. <laughs> 
We've got a great episode for you this week featuring uh, not only our review of Ghostbusters Afterlife, but we're going to talk about a very fun movie-going experience we had uh, on Friday night. Oh, yeah. Tease it. I like the tease, Holden. (laughs) That one movie podcast. (laughs) Tomp. But first, Jimmy, we've got to do the Toms. Yes, I'm so excited to do the Toms this week. The Toms! The Toms! The Toms! The Toms! Toms is a rapid-fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. Yes, I'm going to start by giving Tom Holland a Brokaw. Yeah, Tom Tom. Holland gets a a Brokaw. Um... And speaking of Tom there we Holland, go. <laughs> I, there you go, Holden. I was see, I was throwing it up there, alley ooping, and you came in with the slam dunk. So nice job, nice job. Yeah, um, we got a new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer this week. Um, so obviously, this is a movie we're both very excited for. The first trailer blew the internet by storm, uh, largely because of the appearance of Alfred Molina's Doc Ock at the end of the trailer. Um, but what do you think of this trailer, Jimmy? Yeah, they uh this one I just like um I think they're showing too much. I just less is more. They just showed us everything. I I mean, obviously the the Spider-Men aren't in it. The three Spider-Men that are just definitely in the movie. <laughs> Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. I mean, the worst kept secret of all time and Andrew or Andrew Garfield has to just lie to everyone yeah. about it. Uh, and Toby Maguire just doesn't do interviews, so he doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just—I don't know. I—I I wish I think I just wish we didn't know this. I like—I would have even if we knew Doc Ock was going to be in the movie and Green Goblin was going to be in it and all that stuff. I would have loved to have seen that in the movie. Like I would have liked to have like even if I knew it was coming, just seeing. Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe and and all that. Just seeing it for the first time in the movie, I think, would be more meaningful. I maybe understand with Doc Ock a little bit more since it looks like he's going to have the largest role. Yeah, it looks of like all he, these it multiverse looks, people. It, it kind of looks like he's going to fight like Spider-Man at first and then maybe help him like try to get back or something. Yeah, that's the sense I get. You're not Peter Parker. <laughs> That was a very bad Alfred Molina impersonation. <laughs> Peter, we were, uh, you're we're, struggling. We were talking before the podcast about how like good the de-aging on Alfred Molina is. It is probably the best example of that I've seen in a movie because it looks flawless, basically. And like it's to the point where I just forget about it. Mm-hmm. Like I forget that they de-aged him. I just it's like I haven't seen Alfred Molina in a movie really other than Promising Young Women. Woman, so. I, so it's like, oh yeah, you've seen him in uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wait, who is he in Raiders? Of the he's Lost like Ark? the he's the guy that helps him in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> he is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes, he is. I didn't. Well, helps him. That's like, <laughs> well, yeah. Using the word help as very loosely there. He tries. He betrays him and gets spiked. 
um, impaled by those spike booby trap. But uh, no, yeah, yeah, the first time I learned that, that blew my mind. And I think that was like one of his first big like film roles too. He had mostly done theater before that. So you throw me the idol, I throw you the whip. <laughs> um, but also, Holden, that came out like 40 years ago no so. i know but i was just saying you have seen another movie with alfred molina in it <laughs> not when he was older <laughs> yeah okay. not post spider-man 2 okay fine um yes that you know what i'm trying to say yes uh the trailer um clearly the the spider-men are in it we talked about that all the villains i mean we got to see i think electro looks good like i like how they did the yeah electro um effect and how like they kind of did the homage to the mask the old yeah. like animated mask and the the comic mask when he like gets his electric power so much better than the blue design oh yeah <laughs> i want to know if they're gonna explain why he isn't blue maybe, maybe it's just like a sl- maybe it's just a later version from the amazing spider-man or i don't remember what happened I, is he still alive at the end of the I amazing think he, no because i think he dies i mean like part of this trailer is like all of these people die in their respective universes so i'm pretty sure like almost every villain if not all the villains die all of them sandman doesn't die i think sandman's like the only one who doesn't he just blows away yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think this is like they they kind of tease that you know sorry peter but all these people die that's their destiny and it's like peter's almost trying to save them Mm mm-hmm so that'll be an interesting maybe little moral dilemma yeah um, he's trying to the, save these people who are like destined to die and also want to kill him <laughs> double I'm, a lot of complications there i'm not sure about the jokes that we heard I, yeah I don't know, the humor didn't really land for me in the trailer but hopefully they're just saving the best laughs for the movie or you don't you just it could just not be funny too. I mean like most you don't of the, have to make it funny. Most of the funniest parts of the other two movies I feel like were not in the trailers. So I I feel like there it could still be pretty funny. Um yeah, Spider Man Homecoming still has one of the my hardest laughs of any movie ever. Um yeah. when Ned is found in the computer lab and he's like his <laughs> 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 excuse is like, Oh, I'm watching porn. Yeah, that when he's really helping Spider Man, I died. Um, <laughs> uh, otherwise, we see five villains. That's a very odd number to have for Spider Man since he literally has a lot of comics that are like the Sinister Six. So yeah, who's the sixth? Is it the Vulture? Is it? Um, is it Venom? Which Venom? Topher Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want like both versions of Venom to appear. That'd, that'd be I, funny. Is it Morbius? <laughs> I hope not. That wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> He's not previously established. Is it Black Suit Spider-Man? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I th- This whole trailer looks cool. I'm pretty sure Doctor Strange is Mephisto. <laughs> Doctor Strange is Mephisto? Yeah, I mean, I know that's like a joke, but there's there's been a lot of things I've seen where doctor strange may just be like allowing this to happen and mephisto is like a big spider-man villain so that meme might finally come to head here wait like can like doctor strange just like the one we know is mephisto or mephisto is pretending to be doctor mephisto strange? is pretending to be doctor strange okay, that's what i think shape shift and stuff 
I don't know. I mean, he's like a demon, probably. Oh, like selling your soul to the devil sort of deal? I, I don't know, Jimmy. It could go any number of ways. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you've been caught in your own web, Holden. The irony. The irony. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's all there is to say. I, I d- as you pointed out when we saw it in the theaters, I, I liked seeing the, green, the original Green Goblin costume. That was nice. Power I've got Rangers, just so Green much Goblin. I've got so much nostalgia for that costume. Now it looks like they are changing it. There's the shot where you have the um Green Goblin esque I mean it's a some version of a Green Goblin. At first I thought it was New Goblin mm-hmm. from Spider Man three, but uh it's not from close ins- inspection of it. Um and so it seems like they might be changing the costume partway through the movie, but maybe I, it's I Green do Goblin like, from Amazing Spider-Man Two. I certainly hope not. <laughs> um, oh, that's who, that's who the uh, sixth one is going to be. It's going to be Rhino. There we go. <laughs> With what's his name? Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, yeah. But he's playing his character from Jungle Cruise. Um, I'm going to give it a Broca, Holden. I will also give it a Broca. Exciting Still trailer. My m- yeah, my most anticipated movie of the rest of the year, I would say. Even more than West Side Story? Yes. <laughs> that uh, trailer, yeah. that makes me emotional. Yeah. Uh, a few other trailers. Uh, f- that We have one, a new one for Turning Red, the new Pixar movie. This is kind of... I, the other trailer was, I guess, more... It was, like, shorter. This is, like, a full-length trailer. Um, what do you think? Looks like a good Pixar movie taking place in Toronto. Oh, as they say, north of the border. Yeah, you could tell with the CN Tower in the background. Oh, I wasn't paying that close of attention. Come on, Olden. <laughs> the Cartoon Network it. Tower. Yeah, Cartoon Network Tower. Yes. Um, it looks like a good time. I mean, a kid discovering their identity. Am I better as a panda? Looks yeah. like the Clifford movie we deserve. Yeah, honestly, I love red pandas, so uh, this is this is pretty good. I don't know. There's not a ton to say about this one. Animation looks good. Looks like it'll be emotional, like all Pixar movies are. Um, yeah, I don't know. Solid, solid looking movie. We'll see it in March, I'm sure. Yep, I'll give it a Broca. Yeah, Broca. Uh, then we have uh, the final trailer for Nightmare Alley, the new Guillermo del Toro movie, which is coming out in less than a month at this point. Um, only two trailers, but that's that's for the best. Uh, what do you think? Uh, it gives us just a big of a glimpse at Bradley Cooper's character, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a con man, and he's working with a psychiatrist to like yeah. con people, I guess. I'm not sure exactly what this movie is, but that's okay. I kind of prefer it that way. I'd rather just kind of go in not really understanding what's going on. Yeah, it's I, I it it's very intriguing from the trailers, the visuals, the atmosphere. Uh, obviously, tons of actors. I loved the bit of Ron Perlman just shooting into the or no, that was the next trailer. Don't look up. Ron Perlman's yeah. in both movies. My bad. Well, uh, but. Yeah, it, it's it looks very entertaining. Um, I, I like the circus setting. I like, yeah, just looks cool. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'll give it a Broca. Broca. 
And then, yeah, uh, our final trailer, uh, Don't Look Up, the uh, s- another star-studded movie from Adam McKay. The um, This is the one that we've talked about before, about the, the people who discover like a big comet that's headed straight for Earth and will cause some big problems if the government doesn't do anything about it. Um, but yeah, as a, there's a funny part in the trailer where Ron Perlman is shooting up in the sky. I thought that was, was pretty funny. Yeah. I cannot wait to not like this movie. Yeah. It honestly, <laughs> I just don't think it looks that... Like, I mean, the cast is incredible. Yeah. But Vice was just such a miss for me that this just looks like it... I don't know. It's just like, oh, the people are dumb. Yeah, it, it government like, is it, it doesn't, doesn't get anything done. Great yeah, it does commentary. This trailer like cements the, the I don't think the commentary is that deep because all of the government officials in this are like cartoonishly just ab- absent-minded. Like they just don't care. <laughs> and I I mean I don't I don't what I mean whatever. I know he's saying stuff about politics, but I feel like it's not so just black and white as this movie is at least the trailers are presenting itself i don't know it's i I mean i'm sure the performances will be good i'm sure leonardo dicaprio will will deliver a fine fun performance and it's included in a netflix subscription so there's that so i'll watch it (laughs) regardless so we'll review it and you know i'm going in with that expectation so i'm I can only be pleasantly surprised. It's mm-hmm. not going to be so like I'm not going <laughs> to dislike it more than I already think I will. Yeah. So like you know, my ex that's where my expectation is at that. I mean, when I say that I think I'm not going to like it. It's like I'm not choose I want to like it. Mm-hmm. I would love to like this movie. I'm not choosing to dislike it. I just don't think I will. So, I'm open-minded to I'm open-minded to it being better and more enjoyable than i think it will be yeah for sure so Uh, bergeron i'm gonna give it a bombadil but that's because it did the opposite of what a trailer should do because it made me dread this movie more (laughs) i thought this trailer just was not very good yeah um but anyway good old but it's got good old timmy shall yeah timmy shall pal looks like he's gonna be in the movie for one minute yep cannot (laughs) wait um yeah anyway uh other news uh news about the new blade movie some casting news uh delroy lindo has been cast in the blade movie who uh we most recently saw in the five bloods oh yeah yeah, yeah he played paul who is like he was incredible yeah absolutely amazing performance snubbed at the oscars not even a nomination for that performance which is criminal uh, but he, uh, aside from that, he is a frequent Spike Lee collaborator, and I most recently saw him in the movie Get Shorty, but um, he, he's just kind of a, a character actor who pops up in a bunch of different things. Just um, looking him up here, he's on that new Netflix's The Harder They Fall thing. Oh, yeah, I, I saw he was he's in that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a great actor who doesn't seem to be as in, in as many things as he should be, but, I mean... Him joining Blade is is cool. Yeah, I'm going Broca there. I mean, he was incredible in Defy Bloods. Like you said, snubbed for an Oscar nomination. But yeah, Blade uh, Blade for me. Broca for me. Yeah. 
Brokaw for me as well. Um, I was I thought I should have just brought this up earlier when we talked about Spider-Man, but Michael Keaton uh, continues to j- just seem like he doesn't know understand anything about the MCU. <laughs> On, uh, he was on Jimmy Kimmel uh, promoting his new Hulu show, Dope Sick, uh, and he said, he said, I'm actually, I think he was asked about like Marvel stuff, and he said, I'm actually shooting tomorrow some Vulture stuff, <laughs> but he didn't specify for what, so uh, yeah, we're getting, getting more Michael Keaton in something. <laughs> I just want confused Michael Keaton. I just want to like I want a compilation of behind the scenes for all these different movies where Michael Keaton <laughs> Michael Keaton just clearly has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, and just like faking his way through it. Like, you know, the people behind the scenes are trying to explain the MCU to him and he's just like I don't I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what what's up, doc? So here's what your character's motivation is in this. Don't don't even worry about it. <laughs> don't, like, just, just give me the lines. I'll do what it. What <laughs> emotion am I supposed to be feeling? All right. So, okay. Happy but conflicted. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's how acting is done, right? Uh, yeah. It's I. I mean, it's it's nice. It's nice to hear because I mean, Vulture was great in Spider-Man: Homecoming, and obviously he's he's one of the few villains that doesn't die in his movie. So come back, but. Just What's up, Doc? <laughs> I, every time I see him in in one of the Morbius trailers, I just laugh. I just can't not laugh. Maybe. I'm gonna. That's it's almost a problem now because anytime he's gonna show up in any movie <laughs> as the Vulture, I'm just gonna start laughing. Maybe maybe he's gonna be like the Nick Fury of the Sony universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. It's too bad he's not DC because I'd love to see him in a Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I'll I'll give that a Brokaw, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'll give it a Brokaw just because it's funny. <laughs> uh, what's What's kind of not funny is uh, Quentin Tarantino is auctioning off never before seen Pulp Fiction footage as NFTs. <laughs> Wait, what? So. Quentin Tarantino is auctioning off like uh, like uncut scenes from Pulp Fiction with some like footage that people haven't seen before as NFTs. Why? Why is he doing that? His money. I don't. I don't know. But why does he need money? I don't know. I don't is he know. donating it to charity or trying something? To, I don't know. Trying to launder some money. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> NFTs. What? Well, I don't. Yeah. Whatever. I mean. One thing I'm just starting to understand crypto, Holden. Now we're introducing NFTs. <laughs> it's it's too far. For I me. I think NF. I mean I don't I don't know enough about crypto, but I've I've read up on NFTs and I think there is just kind of a scam. Is is it just like the uh, like art for rich people? How they're like, oh, we'll just say this is worth this much, so we can just launder our money in it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I Whatever think it the is. is because conspiracy is you have like all of these uh, you have all of these images online that are selling for like thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they're just these crappy pieces of art. And I think it's it. That's why I think it's just money laundering. I mean. Not to promote a conspiracy or anything, but that's just kind of, kind of what it seems like. We should just make our episodes as non fungible tokens. Yeah, we should make a lot of money off of that. If we just say it's worth that money, people. Will I'm gonna buy. go. 
I'm going to go Bombadil because it just sounds dumb. Bombadil. Uh, I guess I, there was another part I didn't say is that Miramax is suing him for saying it's a breach of contract. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's yeah. on him. He'll just take those documents that they send him saying that he's being sued and turn them into a non-fungible token. Yeah, and people will, people will eat it up. Uh, next up on news, uh, that Snow White movie live action thing that I mentioned is apparently going to be written by Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Interesting. Um, that makes it more exciting. So I'll give that a Broca. Yeah. Broca for me too. That was, um, yeah, I I don't know. Not much is known about that aside from, uh, some of the casting. I don't think there's a director attached to it yet, but. Yeah, uh, and then uh, I don't know why I put this down because I feel like I see this like every six months. Um, but Fox said they clarified that the Simpsons movies two is still in development. <laughs> I didn't know it was in development. I don't. Well, they've like talked about it for years, I guess. Um, I have this quote here that I thought was I, at least the first line was funny. We're cursed by high ratings. Oh, yeah, what a curse. <laughs> you can have high ratings on your show. Uh, we're cursed by high ratings. We're still on the air as a TV show, and that takes up a lot of time. I worked on the first... I don't remember who said this. I have. It says I. I think it's, some, it's one of the writers on the show. Um, I worked on the first movie simultaneous to the show, and it nearly killed the animators. But we have an idea. It's just that we're waiting to see what the environment is. Do we want to do it as a streamer in theaters? Animation has been the slowest to come back to theaters, but now that... Ages five and up are getting vaccinated in America. The business might resume. We're in a wait and see mode, but there's definitely a germ of something there. Yes, ages five to nine, the key demographic for the <laughs> Simpsons movie. Number yeah. Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I did see that. I think I saw the first one when I was like seven. I was very young. I saw it in theaters. Or I guess maybe I would have been eight at that point. I don't think I, I didn't see it in theaters, I don't think. Okay. I saw it in theaters because like all of my friends were seeing it and they were talking about it and then my parents were like, Oh yeah, okay, we'll take you to see it. They knew about the Simpsons and I had seen some Simpsons before, but yeah. Hope is lost for this one already. He's already gone. You can just <laughs> Might as well just take him to the Simpsons movie. No, I I love the Simpsons movie a lot, actually. Oh, it's I, great. It's so funny. It is it is the I mean, past like the first eight or nine seasons of The Simpsons, it's like the best thing to come out of that franchise. Run, 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 jump, 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 jump. sleep, sleep, <laughs> sleep. Uh, classic. Land, um, land. <laughs> so many great lines in in that movie. Um, uh, so I guess this is a broke. I don't know. I mean, I I would see it if it came out, but yeah, do they I need mean, to make another one. No, not unless it's good. The thing that made the first movie good is that they got so many of the original writers and like showrunners and whatnot to collaborate on it. And so if they get like that original crew back, I would be very hopeful. But if it's just like modern Simpsons, I don't think I'd care. Honestly, I would rather just see them make a movie every couple years than the show. Yeah. Like just save all your good ideas for a movie and just make that and then you can keep the quality up and 
and well i mean i suppose by high ratings jimmy they can't do that (laughs) well i mean i suppose a lot of people that's like their livelihood i'm guessing a whole team of people make the simpsons all the time so it's like that's their job and if the simpsons go away you know what are they gonna do it's true probably something else yeah i'll give it a i'll give it a bergeron i think um hopefully it happens and turns out well Sounds I hope it, it would go to Disney Plus if it goes to streaming. I hope it doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I hope it comes out on the big screen. Yeah. Uh, and then my last piece of news uh, is that uh, the Korean zombie movie, Train to Busan, I think it was already known that there was an American remake being made, because of course there is. Uh, but it got a title. It's called A Last Train to New York. Yep. Because of zombies, yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I still haven't seen Train to Busan. It's on my list. Yeah, so same. I really, really want to watch it. It's a date, Holden. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed. It's, it's supposedly really good. It's my mom says it's her favorite zombie movie. So. Wow. Well, how about them apples? Yeah. Darla. Well, she also likes you know the sweet potato cinnamon marshmallow stuff so can can her opinion be trusted (laughs) probably um yeah i uh in terms of togapu uh i saw that warner brothers is making their own smash now game well it's (laughs) like i I, they i mean that was leaked like there were rumors of it like months ago i think but it's like a free-to-play game, yeah. And it's not really Smash. It's like I think they're just they're they're releasing it now to back off of that Nickelodeon thing. But it's it's different enough that it makes me kind of uninterested in what it looks like, like how it plays. Well, it looks just very slow and clunky to me. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of it, but it just seems like they're like, oh, we need to get this out there. But yeah, um, exactly. Well, in WB, like they would, they would have such a great roster of characters they can draw, they can like draw from. And I mean, they they have some great ones in there confirmed already. But I don't know. It's just, I mean, I liked seeing like Arya Stark like fighting Bugs Bunny. I think that's that's kind of funny. Like it, they could <laughs> if they made like an actual Smash Bros. release kind of game. I think it'd they be should really have cool. LeBron James in it. <laughs> yeah, put LeBron James in it. <laughs> Um, or Don Cheadle. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I just was like, oh, I like the idea. We'll see about the execution. Free to play. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Bergeron. Yeah, Bergeron from me. Um, but that's, I think that's all I had. Yeah, that's not much, not much happening in games right now. I just want to see more of that Harry Potter game, man. Where's that been? I don't know. Did that get delayed again or something? It definitely got delayed to next year. Yeah. It was supposed to come out this year. I couldn't remember. I I felt like I saw something about its release date, but I don't know. Anywho, Holden, shall we go on to our non-spoiler review of Ghostbusters, They're Dead. It's do we do that or do we do the, the movie showing thing? I say we do, do we do that in our what are you doing segment, I say. Okay. Okay. We'll do Ghostbusters. Go.
Ghostbusters Afterlife is the uh, the new installment of the very popular Ghostbusters franchise. Um, yeah, uh, this is a movie that neither of us were particularly excited for. I kind of inadvertently got myself hyped for it when I just kind of started rewatching <laughs> Ghostbusters. Like I, wa- I rewatched one, watched two for the first time, and then played the video game like I've talked about before. So I was kind of embroiled in that franchise there for a couple weeks, um, but it wasn't it wasn't really anything either of us were too hyped for. It was just kind of something that was coming out, had some like decent reviews coming out about it. So we went and saw it. Um, what'd you think, Jimmy? I think it was solid. I think it was a good sequel. Honestly, I think it was about as good as I could have hoped for it being. Yeah, it is it differentiates itself enough from the original movie to at least before the third act <laughs> in my <laughs> opinion that it can stand more on its it seems it just feels different enough i would mm-hmm. say it doesn't feel like an absolute total retread and it's told through the perspective of these kids so that's kind of refreshing that it's i mean it's different um the original cast isn't just in the entire movie you know so it's like it it it, it feels different enough but it still has those fan servicey things or just like callbacks and hey look at this thing but it, it serves the plot it's a ghostbusters movie it has everything you'd want in a ghostbusters movie i think without being just a copy and paste of the original yeah. i and i was talking to holden i was like this is the Force Awakens of Ghostbusters movies. Yeah, it re- it really is. I mean, this movie, I mean, it follows a lot of the same beats. Obviously, it's got a modern coat of paint on it. Um, I, I, I mean, I see a lot of people saying it's like the exact same movie, which I just don't agree with. Um, I mean, I, I will say some of the references were a little distracting. Like it, I mean, this isn't, it's not like this is plot dependent, but there's at one point where there's it just like the camera lingers on a Twinkie, like referencing the famous Twinkie line from the first movie, and I'm like, does that need to be there? It's, it was there were some like weird niche references like that that I was like, I don't. That's kind of distracting, but I mean, a lot of them I was fine with. It, it was just a few that kind of stood out to me. I guess we should probably talk about the synopsis to this movie, which we haven't already. Um, Basically, this movie uh, it follows Egon's family um, from Egon, obviously from the first movies. Um, he has passed away and uh, leaves his property and belongings and stuff to his estranged family, who are getting evicted from their place. So conveniently, they can move into this this house they just got. Um, but then it's the, like, while they're there, they kind of start learning more about who Egon was and what he did and there's some strange things happening around this small town that they moved to yeah Paul Rudd is like I'm a seismologist there's some strange earthquake stuff going on yeah um Paul Rudd was the best part of the movie (laughs) yeah he really is um I okay I I was thinking about this on the way home he's like he's like a better Ryan Reynolds he, Honest, and to me because like he, he oh what were you gonna say 
Well, yeah, I, I, he's just a more like Ryan Reynolds is like the perfect version, you know, of like, <laughs> like the perfect person or whatever. Yeah. And Paul Rudd is just the more like achievable version of Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> like, it's like, I can relate to Paul Rudd. Ryan well, Reynolds, it's like, I can't relate to Ryan Reynolds, but I can relate to Paul Rudd. Like, he's good looking, but he's not like the best looking person ever. He's like, seems like, hey, he's, you know, he's got it going for him, but he, at the same time, it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, even from, like, a comedy perspective, like, he, like, similar to Ryan Reynolds, he kind of has, like, one main shtick, which is just to be kind of, like, the funny everyman character kind of thing. But it's just, like, he's so much more likable. than Because Ryan Reynolds is lots of times just a dick. <laughs> It's, it's it's just more it's less obnoxious yeah i think it's yeah. just more understate i mean i don't know understate it's just not so much like look at the camera and wink sort of humor that like mm-hmm. ryan reynolds humor is at least yeah. lately and that's why i'm like i would rather see right like i think ryan reynolds could be in a, a role like this yeah but it's just um they just need to adjust his writing and whatnot um but yeah i agree he was great also um uh mckenna grace who plays phoebe was was really good i thought yeah. she was she was tremendous yeah i liked uh i'll get into spoilers i liked what later but i liked what they did with her as the movie went on but yeah you you got your ghost busting action where you're chasing after ghosts so they get the ecto one and they're driving it around and they get the proton blasters or whatever they're called proton I'm, packs proton packs um, I have no nostalgia for Ghostbusters, so if I just butcher all these references, <laughs> um, that that is what is happening. Um, yeah, and I mean, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of like, this is definitely like a a movie made for to honor Harold Ramis's legacy. Mm-hmm. I would say it's it's very much kind of a, almost a memorial to him. Um, in a way that I think they handle very well for the most part. It could have been done very poorly, but it yeah, seems like it, there was a lot of care and love poured into this movie for the franchise. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think that's a good way to put it, a love letter to what Harold Ramis contributed. Um, and just the fact that like his presence has such a strong role in this movie. I mean, he's, I mean obviously he's, he's passed away, but I mean, even still his presence is so strongly felt in this movie it's it's just kind of nice um yeah i mean paul rudd's the best he's got the best like the funniest parts are all his yeah um finn wolfhard i i almost think you could just cut his character out of the movie yeah like i didn't not like him but i don't really think he added that much and his storyline was the least compelling yeah and I, I it was like it was the least funny it was the least engaging I, I i i don't know if his dialogue just wasn't funny or if his delivery was just not funny it like didn't convey the dialogue well i don't know it was just i i didn't care and every time I, luckily it didn't focus on it too much like there was only a handful of scenes and they only lasted a, a couple minutes each uh, where it was really he was the central part, but yeah, it was. I, I agree. Probably could just cut it out. I would have liked to have spent more time with Phoebe and yeah. her relationship with 
with her mom and, and Paul Rudd's character. Um, what's his name? Gary, <laughs> Gary Gun- Gulberson or something. Yeah. Like something, some weird name like that. Um, Gary Guberson, I think it is Gruberson or something. Um, yeah. Then you had, uh, uh, is it Carrie, Carrie Coon Carrie as, Coon. The, as the mom, Nora Durst in the leftovers. I thought she was good. Yeah. But, I, th- I think I could have used maybe even more of her because I kind of liked how she was just... She wasn't like a deadbeat mom, but she just was kind of like... I don't know. I guess she was just very struggling with two kids and like... But wasn't afraid to show it. <laughs> I think... Um, I think she was didn't want to show it. She kept like lying to them like, oh, I, we're going to be here for just a month. And they're like, no, oh, mom, yeah, we're that's broke. True. That's uh, <laughs> I just think that she was kind of a one-note character in the fact that she's like, oh, I hate science. My dad was a jerk. He didn't That's care about true. me. So I I just thought she, like, I, I don't know. I would have just liked to have seen more dimension to her character, and she is a, a very good actress, so I would have liked to have seen her kind of have more to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie is directed by Jason, is it right, 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 Reitman, Reitman. Uh, son of Ivan Reitman, who directed mm-hmm. the first, the original, did he direct the second one too? Yeah, I maybe. think he directed both. Um, and I think you can just tell that there was a lot of care. I mean, like you can just tell the people who made this really cared about it. And I think that uh, kind of goes along with the Force Awakens kind of comparison too. Um, well, I don't, I don't remember uh, where I saw this, or if this was in a video I watched, or if it was a review or something, but apparently Jason Reitman has said that his dad was like, like just watching over his shoulder the <laughs> <Yeah>. entire time, <laughs> which I, I think is, is kind of funny. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think Ivan Reitman was like, like bringing down a producer hammer or anything too often, but he was just kind of giving a lot of guidance and Jason Reitman is an accomplished director. I mean, I love Juno, which he directed. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let me think about other things I want to say about this movie. I, again, I think the third act is the weakest part. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall, I think it's made very well. It's got enough fun. If you like Ghostbusters, I think you're going to like this movie. Um, having not having not been a big fan of the franchise myself. Yeah, um, I think it's... I don't, I don't know. I think it's hard to dislike this movie. I feel like if you just go in and you're not... I mean, I, it might be a movie that's easy to be cynical about since it has, like, so many of those callbacks, but I think it's done in a way, for the most part, that's respectful and, and fun for fans. And I'm not... I'm also not overly nostalgic for the franchise, aside from, like, my recent experience with it, but I, I just think <laughs> people would like it. I'm so nostalgic to my experience viewing this two weeks ago. <laughs> Well, I did. I had seen the original a while ago, but I don't. I don't like hold it super dearly. I just. I do really enjoy the first movie, though. I think it's fine, <laughs> <laughs> and I think Bill Murray is creepy in that movie and a jerk. And I'm like, why would I care about this guy? He just seems like a jerk. Yeah, um, I think that's <laughs> that's one of the reasons why most Bill Murray movies from the '80s don't work for me. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, um, it's got enough 
it's not that funny of a movie. I, I would just say Paul Rudd's funny, but I think the rest of the movie is more just like action adventure. Yeah, I mean, there's funny bits outside of that too. Like Phoebe can be funny, and there's a certain bit later on in the movie that we'll talk about um, in spoilers that is is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's not it's not like it is not just a straight up comedy like the original one is. Like the original, that's like the main focus of the original one, and this one's. M- I don't want to say more than that because it makes it seem like there's more going on than the first movie, but it, it's it's not just a comedy. Yep. Anything else to add, Holden, before we give our ratings? Uh, no, I think we're good. Oh, I um, I mean, they reused a lot of the score from the original movie, which was sometimes distracting. Sometimes I was like, oh, this fits. But I, one of the other reasons why I noticed that is because they do that in the video game too, and it just plays all the time in the video game. So oh, I have. See, like, I didn't notice. Oh, I have a lot of the tracks like ingrained into my brain. But yeah. Um, there needed to be a Ghostbusters song montage, in my opinion, that was not in the movie. Yeah. Personally, I think it would have enhanced the experience. I'm just glad they didn't have a Fallout Boy cover again, like they did in the 2016 <laughs> one, because that is a, a horrible cover of that song. Um. Alrighty, Holden. Rating. What are you gonna go with? Uh, I'm time? gonna give this. Uh, I want to give a seven. I think. Yeah, seven's. It's a good movie. Um. I think it's. I think it might be the best that isn't the first movie. I think it. I think it's definitely better than the 2016 one and i think it's better than the second one i'll give it a seven i will give it a seven and a half nice yeah solid movie go watch it if you like ghostbusters you'll probably like it i would think so so let's dive into spoilers Okay, spoilers for this for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, the bit that I was referring to that's really funny, and Jimmy was also laughing very hard <laughs> at it, was in when they're in the Walmart or when Paul Rudd's in the Walmart and all the you see it in the trailer with all the Stay Puffed little Stay Puffed Marshmallow guys wandering around. But it's like much more extended in the actual movie, and it's there's just like a lot of carnage happening with these guys. <laughs> Ultimately, they're kind of pointless for the movie, and it's just kind of for this one scene, you know, a little nod to the original. But they they're like running each other over with like a Roomba. They're setting each other on fire. It's very like gruesome deaths for, <laughs> that are happening. And they're all like just like oh smiling and happy. It's just very very graphic, but, or like it would be very graphic if they weren't just little marshmallows. <laughs> the the bit where um the one is like crawling across the grill looked like Anakin in episode three, <laughs> like burning just, up in the lava. Yeah, it's just burning alive, and then it sinks. It's like it's just so the juxtaposition of the the tones is is really quite comical and then the climax of that when paul rudd is running away from the the gargoyle monster dog thing zool or whatever the other one is whatever called. you whatever you want to call it it 
the gatekeeper and the key master. Yeah. Um, and he's running out and he, <laughs> earlier in the movie is when shield is broken from this ghost and he just dives through the front of the car through that, the windshield to get in the car rather than opening the doors. What is I, that was the biggest laugh of the movie for me. I yeah. Think. Well, it was such it was such a great setup and payoff. Like it was some, it was a setup that you didn't know was a setup. Yeah. It was they, just <laughs> it was just kind of this clever little thing. I mean, like, oh, okay, the windshield broke because they got attacked. Whatever, that's fine. And then one of the scenes they're driving and he's like picking at the glass and throwing it, but then it pays off later. And it's just it's really funny. <laughs> um. But also, again, that is, like, the worst part of the movie because then Paul Rudd is just sidelined for the rest of it. Yeah, true. (laughs) And I think that's my biggest problem with the movie is that the way the Ghostbusters third act works is that two of the characters just have to get sidelined in for the plot to happen. Well, yeah. I So I didn't go in. I didn't know that, like, I guess the marketing did a good job of hiding that, like, Gozer was the main, like, antagonist again. Yeah. I had, I had no idea that was the case. Even, like, I think in the trailer it shows that bit where he's running out of Walmart and, like, the thing's chasing him. I didn't I didn't recognize that as one of the, the dogs from the original movie. Um, but it... Yeah, I mean, like the first movie, I made you mentioned it too. Like in the first movie, they they have to then sideline Sigourney Weaver and uh, Rick Moranis. That's his name. Yeah. Rick yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they have to sideline those two, which are two. I mean, they're two great characters in that movie. And then in this one, you have to do the same thing with Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd, and it's just kind of kind of disappointing, especially the um, Paul Rudd bit. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I didn't mind Gozer being the villain, but it did. <laughs> and here's the Force Awakens comparison. It was like it's another Death Star. Yeah, it's Gozer again. <laughs> well, it's just, <laughs> it was just like it. It was weird, and especially like I. I don't know. It like I mean, because in the first movie, Gozer's like like actual appearance. It, like they're not actually in it that much and then it turns into stay puffed and then it's just just gozer in this movie it didn't turn into anything cooler yeah i didn't i didn't catch that yeah they didn't like have it turn into anything which what what would you want gozer to turn into i i I mean i don't know i feel like they could have set something up earlier in the movie. I, I guess, I don't know. Maybe they, they probably like shopped that idea around and maybe they came to the decision that they just, there wasn't a good solution to that, but yeah. Um, so there's that. And I do like, I mean, it's in, it, it was a, a pretty big risk, right. To, to not have this movie set in New York, mm-hmm. uh, because that's just like, it's pretty synonymous with Ghostbusters, honestly. It's like the whole cliche of New York is the other character in the Spider-Man movie, <laughs> or the you know, yeah. it is very much that in Ghostbusters. And I mean, like they talked about you know making Ghostbusters two somewhere else, and they're like, no, we really got to keep it in New York. So for this movie not to take place in New York, um, pretty big decision, and I think it works. Yeah, um, I, I think a problem I have with this movie is that. This, why is this movie just... I mean, I guess I know why it's not set in the 80s. Because it can't be. Because that's when the first one's set. But this movie just wanted to be set in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? They're yeah, like, yeah. This is 
this is just taking place in the 80s. I mean, yeah, it's but difficult. It's, not. it's difficult because I mean, obviously all of the original actors are so old now and so you wouldn't really be able to do that, but one one issue I have that I I don't uh, it's just something with the whole like setup of the movie is that like so Egon like he basically like cuts everyone out because he like he he seemingly goes crazy because he discovers like Gozer is in this like small town and like he's trying to control mm-hmm. this like surge of paranormal activity but like I I don't I don't understand like. It just kind of seemed like he just needed to like slow down and and talk about it. It, it, Like the sense I got was that he just like no one could understand what he was talking about. Yeah, I got that sense too. And they were like, "Yeah, we came there, and there was just nothing." And I'm like, "He didn't show you like the the big cave with the the lasers." Yeah, I feel like he's so it, scientific that he would have been able to explain what was happening. Well, and he is—he is kind of like an awkward person in those original movies. But like, if he has like—I mean, he has kids. Uh, he has someone that he had kids with. I um, and I, I assume like he'd be able to talk to that person. Like, I don't—I don't understand why he like ditched his family. Like, or you know, I mean, his—I assume his wife or whoever like knew that he was a ghostbuster like it just seems it it seems very weird so i don't so who is um carrie coon's mom supposed is it supposed to be the secretary no no and okay so you haven't seen ghostbusters 2 but ghostbusters 2 they kind of ditch that like banter between them and instead she gets together with rick moranis oh um, didn't know that yeah so i no i don't think it's supposed to be her so i don't think i think we just don't meet the mom yeah i also thought that was interesting i'm like what happened to her mm-hmm. um so yeah i think you can poke holes and things and it doesn't perfectly line up but this is also ghostbusters so like who cares <laughs> <laughs> like is that really what you're gonna like you know nitpick it's like who who cares they yeah got, there's a ghost sure. they got to dig out the ghost but I, uh, we were, we talked about afterwards too how they uh, worked with or like they did tributes to Harold Ramis and yeah. I really, I mean at the start I thought it was great because like it's a flash it's a flashback, um, Harold Ramis I mean obviously not there but it's some stand-in only shown in shadows you can tell it's him because general build you know hairstyle and everything, um, but you don't actually see like harold ramus's face or anything and i thought that was a really good way to set up the movie he didn't talk at all great um later on in the movie obviously he has the he shows up as a ghost uh during the climax which initially i was like well, uh, okay okay well during the second act he shows up as like an invisible ghost yeah 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 which i thought was incredibly creative mm-hmm. and i really because at first i thought oh there's just a ghost showing phoebe around this place i'm like oh wait no that's harold ramus yeah that's egon and i thought that was really a creative way of incorporating his character and i do think at the end when he's full-blown force ghost (laughs) (laughs) like i think that seemed a little too long i i don't think it's like an abominate like i think it was 
completely tolerable length. I think yeah. maybe a little bit of a less is more approach would even be better, but I didn't hate it. I thought there was enough emotion tied into that that you could justify the amount of time he was there. And and the fact that he does look like a force ghost, it's not they're not recreating him as a human. Yeah. Um I think that worked cuz it was like he seems, you know, the uncanny valley of it, but it made sense cuz he's literally a ghost. So. Yeah. And all the other ghosts in this are also CG, so it doesn't seem super out of place. I think uh, it from a visual standpoint that worked really well. And the idea of having him be the just full-blown invisible ghost during the second act I think was was really a, a smart clever thing to do I think uh, at the end though you you really only need the one shot where he's holding the the proton pack with with Phoebe I think yeah. and, the, and the other Ghostbusters look over and see that I think that's really all you need yeah he didn't need to and, linger after the you know the the climax happens and maybe they look at each other and, and he just smiles at her mm-hmm. and then uh, when the traps go off and she gets captured uh, Gozer, Gozer, then, you know, he's, he's gone. I think, but I mean, you know, him hugging his daughter, it's a nice moment. Um, but again, she already had the moment where, where, uh, she saw the pictures and all that, which again, a phone call, like, why did you just not call (laughs) your kid if you cared that much? Yeah. I feel like they needed some sort of plot thing to explain why that couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they did, and I'm just forgetting about it. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I honestly thought that was very heartfelt. I thought that was a really good. The, it felt like the soul of the movie mm-hmm. was Harold Ramis's on screen and off screen presence that really pulled everything together, and I think ultimately made this movie work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was very intangible. You could feel that just. You could just feel that. Also, we did not mention this, but <laughs> the people in our theater loved this movie. Yeah. They, <laughs> oh, my god, They gosh. were laughing at everything. Like, anything that was even... I mean, even things that weren't really jokes, but anything feasibly you could see as funny, they were just laughing at it. Like, well, they, I mean, like, not, like, ironically, but, no, like, yeah. they were just enjoying the experience so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was so surprised. It, it was like, weird. Just like settle down, okay. I mean, it's we weren't in a packed theater. There were probably twenty five other people, maybe maybe closer to twenty. But I mean, all of them were just really into it. Yeah, which got yeah, good for them. Yeah, Holden and I were like, hmm, we're critics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did we did laugh at, at a lot of the bits. They were pretty funny. There were some yeah. pretty funny bits. Um, what else? Uh, Ghostbusters showing up at the end originals um it was okay i mean i was, was expecting good, it to happen what i i was like are they not gonna have the ghostbusters in it at all i was like wow this is pretty crazy that they just didn't made the whole movie without the ghostbusters and then they came right at the very end yeah I was like, okay that's yeah fine. i mean i guess i'm glad that they weren't in it too much um but I mean, I liked the the payoff of the the "Are you a god?" line from the first one. Yeah, that was pretty funny. and they're like, "Oh, come on!" I, re- I remember <laughs> you laughed at that too. Yeah, a good bit. <laughs> My big critique, Holden. That was pretty good. Oh, we haven't even mentioned podcast yet. Podcast was great. He was funny too. I just oh yeah, him. yeah, he's a funny kid. I mean, 
funny, I mean, kind of dumb name podcast, but he was, he was pretty entertaining. I think I will start going by podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'll go by, I'll go by podcast too. What? What were you laughing um, at? I was just you saying, okay. I think that was an appropriate response. Um, podcast was great. And, and again, I think just another reason why you did not need Finn Wolfhard's character. Just because you yeah. already had podcasts. He was great. He and Phoebe had good chemistry. Phoebe and Paul Rudd had good chemistry. So I just don't... Oh, Finn. The, the <laughs> we didn't even talk about, like... Uh, Paul Rudd showing the class like horror movies. <laughs> Cujo. Yeah, just wheeling in the uh the old VHS TV. He's like, ah, I don't I don't want to teach you guys, so I'm just gonna show you this, this cool movie about a dog named Cujo. I just, he said Kinda it's like, like if uh, Beethoven got rabies or something. I can't started remember. Started eating children. Oh yeah. And then you had child's play and I, I want to see more Paul Rudd being an apathetic teacher because that was hilarious. Yeah. Did you relate to that? I did. Also, <laughs> he's just loves science. He does. Science is pretty cool. He's like, science is the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. My biggest critique of the movie, though, is um, continuing to spread the lie that is that slaves built the pyramids as if it is a fact, <laughs> an obvious fact. Because she's like, well, how are the pyramids? It's like podcast. She's like, how did the pyramids get there if it wasn't aliens or something? And she's like, slaves. Like, as if it's obvious. I mean, it was which kind is of a not. funny line, but it was, yeah. I, Lies. I, I laughed at it, and then Jimmy's like, that's not true. <laughs> that is historically inaccurate. Now, they did they did make up for it a little bit by having some cuneiform in there. They yeah. had a cuneiform map or something. Yeah. Because Gozer's from Mesopotamia. So, you know, they won a little points back for, for me. But, uh... Slaves did not build the pyramids, folks. It was farmers and it was soldiers during peacetime. Get it right. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I'm just saying, do your research. Yeah, if you're gonna make a Ghostbusters movie, you should you should know what you're writing about. Yeah, I mean, if your villain's gonna be from an ancient civilization, you need to have a PhD in order to write that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that that's that was my one major critique. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I've said everything I wanted to say. Yeah, honestly, me too. It's it's a pretty solid movie. Uh, it doesn't doesn't always work. I don't think we. Re- I I didn't really get into things I didn't like. I guess quickly. I know this is spoilers, but I didn't. I mean, there are some jokes, especially in like the first bit that I, I I didn't think it was very funny until Paul Rudd got there. I was like, oh no, this movie is just not going to be funny. Um, but yeah, overall it's solid movie. Yeah. Awesome. It was, it was my second best movie going experience of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the two we've had. All right. Shall we talk about that one now? Holman? Yes. Yes. All right. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? Awesome. So before we get into our individual, uh, how our weeks went, uh, we had a really fun experience this week. 
Um, back in September, um, I bought us tickets for this showing of The Room at our local like fancy theater. It's called The State in Sioux Falls. Great theater. It's so cool. It's like an old early 20th century movie theater that got refurbished and they've got reclining seats and really cool events. They show older movies or even movies with... Uh, smaller releases. It's just a really cool place to, to go out and support. But anyway, it's like Quentin Tarantino's dream. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we bought these tickets because, and they were for two months out because they were having Greg Sestero come for the show. And Greg Sestero, for those of you who don't know, plays Mark in the room. Uh, the not the main character, but basically the the other guy, main guy character, and also very close acquaintance slash friend of Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, yeah, which is important. Um, so we were very excited for this Q&A and everything, and uh, we get there Friday night. We get we we were almost late. We got there, like, right when, right when it was about to start. Um, but uh, there was a Q&A uh, with Greg Sestero. That's how it actually started which I thought was was pretty cool. There were some things I learned. I was kind of surprised that there was some new information, at least that I not... <laughs> what, what are you laughing about? Just like, I mean, there's just... It was just funny, the little things that we heard and the little documentary that they showed before beforehand. Yeah, yeah. The documentary was really cool. It was like a little behind-the-scenes documentary. It, it, it was obviously like to promote his uh, book, The Disaster Artist, back when that came out, but it, it showed a lot of like footage and interviews with the cast of The Room and them talking about their experiences, and it was really cool. And then um, in addition to that, before the movie started, we got a couple uh, trailers for new movies that Greg Sestero is in-slash-making. Um, well, he's making slash made both of them. He wrote okay. and directed that first one. Did he direct the first one? I think so. Okay, I did. I didn't remember about the first one. I knew he was directing the second one because he had mentioned that. Um, yeah, one is like a thriller. Yeah, it looks like involving a cult. What was it called? Something Can Valley. I, yeah, it was like Miracle Valley. I think um, it might have been Miracle Valley. That, okay. it, but Maybe it, was, it looked was. like a thriller. It looked pretty good, honestly. Yeah. It looked it interesting. Looked. I ho- I I would I'm rooting for it obviously. And the other one was like this very weird <laughs> UFO <laughs> throw. It looked like kind of like uh something that was made in like the 40s. Yeah, it was 30s. It, it, it was very intentionally like grainy and like the the sets and costumes. I mean, it was a very short teaser, but it was all very cheap looking. But I think that's the point. I think it's an homage to those kinds of things. And he was like, "This is the weirdest thing you will ever see in your life." Yeah. Um, so that one was especially cool because apparently we were the first ones to see that. Yeah. He said that Sioux Falls, we were the first ones to see that footage. So that was pretty cool. I don't. I don't even remember if there is a name for that. I don't remember either. Can't remember. But yeah, but, super cool. I mean, just kind of kind of cool having him there and, and giving us a sneak peek at what he's got coming. He seems like a very nice, friendly guy. Um, uh, before we get into that, the showing itself. After the showing, he he was uh, he signed 
Uh, he, he had a table back there selling some merch, various things you could buy. He was signing things. I had him sign my copy of the Disaster Artist, which is now a prized possession. I think that is really, really cool. Absolutely. I was so happy he did that. It was yeah. so cool. And in Ohio Holden. Ohio Holden <laughs> is what it says, yeah. And uh, I compl- I felt I felt good. I complimented him for being in the haunting of Bly Manor, which he was. Uh, he's 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 like very he's he's very briefly in it um but i was like i I thought it was really cool seeing you in that and he said it was he talked about how cool it was to work with mike flanagan and yeah which was great because i'm like definitely mike flanagan's just like i'm just rooting for him yeah he seems like a good good guy in in hollywood so that was good to hear that he was like mike flanagan was great yeah it was awesome um, he certainly at least pretended like he wanted to be there. Yeah. I'm sure he gets tired of, of showing the room everywhere. It probably gets an, it probably gets tiring that this is what you're known for, but. Well, I imagine it's almost like being in Star Wars. It's got to be the greatest and worst thing to ever happen to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> true. It will define the rest of your life. But we should uh, get into the actual screening. Um, yes. This movie. Okay, so obviously we've talked about the room, so we won't really review it. I mean, this movie is legendary at this point, but we can talk about certain bits that were kind of changed for this showing. Um, but uh, context: this was kind of like a midnight movie screening. Uh, midnight movies, um, probably the most popular one is Rocky Horror Picture Show, but the room is also a very prominent one nowadays. And it's kind of this thing where you go knowing that you're not going to just be watching the movie. It's not. Ju- it's probably not the best place to first watch the movie, but you go and you're basically yelling things at the screen. You're part of this like big crowd, big energy in the room that is just like laughing, making fun of it, having these in jokes, and that's kind of what a midnight movie is. Yeah, it is complete audience interaction. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to be yelling and talking the entire time. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, for some, I mean, they even pointed out while we were... um while we were at the theater like midwest people this may not be the most like natural thing for us but it is it is so much more fun than it may even sound because like we basically they gave us this little cheat sheet that had a list of things that we should yell at certain points of the movie at when certain things are happening um we got little spoons because there's like a a very famous in joke with this movie that during certain scenes in the room there's just framed pictures of spoons (laughs) um which is really funny but whenever you see one of those pictures you're supposed to throw spoons at the screen um and And yell spoons yeah and yell so it's just the the barrage of spoons every like 15 (laughs) minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it's just fun it was really funny and then of course uh beyond the cheat sheet there's uh you i mean they encourage you to come up with your own jokes to just yell and everything and those were honestly the funniest parts (laughs) the the ones that we would that like we just hear people in the audience come up with and then we just run with yeah like uh, every time we saw water just yelling water (laughs) Um, one of That's, my favorites is this was on the cheat sheet, but you're supposed to they kind of show the Golden Gate Bridge often as a transition shot, just B roll, and it will like pan across the bridge, like as if you're going across it, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, and you're supposed to cheer 
like go 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 go, go hoping go. the shot makes it to the other side of the bridge and if it does you everybody goes crazy and if it doesn't you're supposed to boo so that was fun <laughs> that happened like two or three times and there everybody was, getting so into it well yeah there was the one time that like i feel like the longest one of those shots does make it across so we we're just chanting for so long go 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 and then at the end just this uproarious like <laughs> cheer in the audience <laughs> It's so funny. Um, the other one that I thought we both thought was really funny is whenever there's chocolate on screen, there was just like one. It was like one person in the audience would just scream chocolate. And it was I thought it was funnier that not everyone joined in because it was just this reliable scream from the back of the theater every time. And it was like the referencing the SpongeBob episode. Where yeah. The chocolate. 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 Yeah, uh, that was really good. Um, uh, whenever there was like a, a football being thrown in this movie, which is even more than I thought, honestly, <laughs> even more than I remembered. Uh, you were supposed to, they had like these little plastic footballs you're supposed to toss around. And someone, from what I understand, the beach ball someone brought, that wasn't like the theater supplied that. And so eventually like the theater attendants like took it away. <laughs> uh, but there was a big beach ball that was being tossed around. Um, not until it decked me right in the back <laughs> of the head because I could not. I did not have any like vertical peripheral vision because I was wearing my baseball hat. Mm-hmm. So I just like yeah, it just went up to you, and it just clonked me, <laughs> which was comical in of itself. It was really funny. Um, yeah, I mean it. it like the the entire energy in the room was just so positive and fun. Like we were all just unified in our like love for this horrible movie. <laughs> and it was even I mean, it was even better that Greg Sestero was there. Yeah. Was like when yeah. he would show up on screen, people would go insane. <laughs> oh yeah, one of the other really funny ones was whenever Denny would come on and you'd say, Hi Denny, Denny. and then you'd leave. Bye Denny. That was pretty funny. And also, like, people just constantly making fun of Claudette's breast cancer line yeah. like, whenever she was on. There was a lot of just really funny things that people would shout once and some things that were kind of cringe that just never caught on, but that's how it works. <laughs> Holden shouted a few things out there. He's a little bit bolder than, my, than I was. Yeah, yeah. I, there were a couple things I thought... Well, the, I think the best response one I got was when Tommy it was Tommy Wiseau's butt shot, and I said, "Is it hot in here, or is it just him?" <laughs> got a pretty good. And response that, it was that. like silent. It was like the one of the few like quieter moments in the theater. Yeah, yeah. So it was, I feel like it was towards the end of the scene. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. <laughs> but yeah, there's it, it was just. And I was fun. like, "Oh man, who brought this guy?" <laughs> It was uh, the um, uh, the I think there were a couple on the other side of me. They were they, there was a couple times where I would just say something and then they would like respond to me. They'd laugh or whatever. They were, they seemed very friendly. Yeah, I never noticed Lisa's neck flaring up insanely <laughs> <laughs> until I didn't this beer. It is no, so distracting once you see it. There. Uh, I mean, this movie just warrants rewatching because there's so many things that, like, I think this is maybe the fourth or maybe even fifth time I've seen it. But yeah, like that, the neck flaring, never noticed that before. There's, I don't remember. I never never realized that, uh, I never put it together that uh, Denny has the basketball just on the roof. (laughs) Is he playing basketball on the roof? Like, what's going on? 
I didn't. I never realized that before. The uh, there's the one bit that I remember I I responded to and you laughed at uh, that I hadn't noticed before where it's like Tommy, well I guess Johnny in the in the movie Johnny Peter and and Mark are like all talking and then Mark just says something about like. I got a promotion or whatever, like I got to like moved for my promotion or something. And it just, no one responds to it. And I'm just like, thanks Mark. <laughs> it's just this um, out of context line, but definitely one of the, the most fun movie going experiences. And it's like, well now I got to go again. Cause it's like, now I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. The room, so. If there, if there's ever another midnight showing for this, I'll have to go again. It was so cool. I'm so glad we decided to go. Yeah, and uh, I think, I mean, we have our review of The Room, um, one of our episodes, so if you go back in our back catalog, mm-hmm. you can hear our full thoughts on that. Yeah, um, that, that review, I remember, is mostly us just laughing at, at <laughs> certain jokes. Like, we, it was just tearing us, like, me apart, Lisa. <laughs> oh, that, um, was, that was another great thing, is all of those iconic lines, people just, like, unanimous, in, like, unison yelling that out was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the more fun movie going experiences of, of my life. And I think you can used to be able to anyway. The room was just like on YouTube, but otherwise it's kind of hard to find. Yeah. I can't um, remember if it is still on YouTube. Um, I mean, if I mean, if you really want like if you can't find it anywhere else, I buying the DVD, it's like 10 bucks. I'd say it's worth it. And like the DVD <laughs> itself is really funny. You get like a little little card on the inside that's for apparently Tommy Wiseau has an underwear brand (laughs) (laughs) it's like a little order card that you could use to order underwear from him it's just funny yeah but uh yeah that's our experience of going to the room Holden what else did you do this week yeah uh this week was like the week of rewatching things for me because I don't think I mean I usually have like a new movie I watched or a few and this week it's just like movies I've already seen before <laughs> mostly I uh so I rewatched both Blade Runner movies I actually I saw the first one a couple days ago and then the second one 2049 last night um I appreciated the first one a little more it's still very slow and kind of boring at parts but i i appreciated it more and i think that's mostly because i have seen this is the first time i'd seen it since seeing 2049 and i was like okay so i can appreciate where all of this goes and all of that i'm not sure if i had seen it right away in like the 80s if i if there was no subsequent movie if i would have cared as much um but then of course 2049 is is phenomenal I think it might be my favorite sci-fi movie. Um, I really need to rewatch it. Yeah, it's it's so good, and I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say about it other than it's really good. If you haven't seen it, I mean, I think you should watch the first one to get the most out of it. It might be it might turn you off from the idea of watching the sequel, but the sequel is much better than the original. So. I think you could read the Wikipedia page or watch a watch a plot thing of the first one on YouTube. Like Blade Runner in five minutes or something. I would yeah. recommend doing that. I think if you're not like a super film fan or super into sci fi, I think do not watch the original Blade Runner. Well, I'm like, I'm surprised because like 
people love the like even people our age love the original Blade Runner. I feel like we're kind of in the minority on that one. That's so weird. I don't know about that. I think if you just showed Blade Runner to a lot of people our age, <laughs> the vast majority would not enjoy it. <laughs> that could be. I don't know. Um but anyway, good movie 2049. Okay, movie the original. Um uh, what else? I I finished the first season of Legion and then I took a break to start watching the Cowboy Bebop Netflix show. Um which I have an interesting opinion on because I mean fans seem to hate it. And initially, like, Metacritic score was really low. Now it's, like, more just kind of an average Metacritic score. I'm talking critics. I, I don't even want to know what the user Metacritic score is. I don't I don't care. Um, but uh, it's... I think it's very entertaining. I think they are doing the best they can to try to replicate the style of the show and, like, the dialogue and... It's just, I do not think that show lends itself to live action. I, I don't think you could do a better job than they're doing. And I, I think there's it's definitely very entertaining for what it is. But, I don't know. It's it's not great. It's a little disappointing. I was, I was hoping for something better. But I will finish it because I, I enjoy it enough. But I'll finish what they have at least. And we'll see if they make any more seasons. I don't know. Um, but, um, I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, super good. I, I mean, the ending is weird. I kind of had to, like, look up, I won't, obviously I won't spoil anything. I had to look up some stuff about the ending. Um, I can't explain why, because I feel like it'll just be a spoiler, but, um, I, I'm very excited for whatever comes next with this, with the second part. Um, the the entire, like, last hour, or hour and a half, two hours even, is just, like, a series of, like, like increasingly exaggerated boss fights. <laughs> it's just, it's, this, this game gets really over the top. It's very fun, very, I mean, visually just super impressive soundtrack as I've praised before. Incredible. I, I'm, I think I'm going to replay it on hard mode and maybe try to get the platinum on it, but there we go. Uh, and then the, I actually went out yesterday and I bought the, uh, Pokemon Pearl remake for switch, which is okay. It's not, I, I don't think, I think I think they like gave it to an outside developer to make it so it doesn't feel as good as it could be but I definitely am getting a lot of nostalgia which I guess is the main reason why I bought it so is it a full up full-blown remake or is it a remaster it feels more like a remaster but I think it's classified as a remake because they they've added a bunch of stuff and I mean graphics are so much are like so different but I mean, overall, like structure and like I guess character dialogue and just story beats, if you want to call them story beats, they're just kind of mostly the same. I I didn't really notice anything different. Most of the Pokemon, I think, are I I don't I don't think they've really added any new any of the newer Pokemon to the game, at least as I, as far as I've seen so far. So I don't know. It's somewhere in between a remaster and a remake. I just have no desire to play another Pokemon game. Like I like I played one and I'm like 
yeah, I get it. <laughs> it was fun. I don't think I need to soak another 30 hours into one of those again. I I just, I think it's very, they're charming. This one, I mean, I mostly just got because of the nostalgia. I really haven't had any, des- like desire to play modern pokemon games but this one plays a lot closer to how like diamond and pearl played so it's something to closer to how i remember liking um yeah it's an it's an all right game Uh, i'll see i might like it more i think my biggest gripe for it is uh is the music is i mean they redid some tracks that sound really good and some of the ones i'm like i i don't know about this this music is ingrained in my head I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it, Jimmy. What about you? Uh, so uh, in preparation for Ghostbusters Afterlife, I watched Ghostbusters, I think in its entirety, for the first time. I'm like, I okay. don't remember any of this. <laughs> I mean, I knew like about the ending, but I'm like, I do not remember any of this. Sigourney Weaver's in this movie. That was news to me. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I, have, I really don't know this movie. Um so yep that was uh i thought it was fine again i did not like bill murray's character i liked everybody else though uh rick moranis was a surprise that he was in it too um i thought he was funny uh yeah i just it was i i was just surprised at like how iconic everything became because there's like stuff that's like you only see I, i mean stuff doesn't get a ton of play in it i just think it's weird how they go from being nothing to be in like the full-blown ghostbusters like, yeah i just feel like there was not a ton of development to transition that um and it felt not fully earned to me but again i have zero nostalgia with it i thought it was the production design the the costume design all that set design i thought was cool had a nice style like i just like the style of it i think more than mm-hmm. anything um so there's that. I, I watched the first two episodes of Tiger King season two. Oh, yeah. Oh, how was that? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's more Tiger King. I think my problem is, is like I've forgotten a lot of the details of season one. So I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, that's right. I had forgotten that. Or I think oh, I'd so get you've... more. I think you'd probably get more out of it if you just watch season one and two at the like right after each other. But I'm not oh, okay. going to go back and rewatch season one. I see. Um, I saw the Metacritic score, and that kind of. I'm not sure I'm going to watch it because um, I think Metacritic it's I, like at a 37 or something. What's the first season at though? That's a good question. Actually, I don't know. I feel like it was probably higher. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I. I it's hard to know what like. Where, you know, it's five episodes. I've seen two of them, so I mm-hmm. can't really judge it as a whole yet. But it's just more of the story, I guess, or a re-examination of certain things. But it's just kind of mindless television to have on. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah, a good yeah. break from, from things. Um, otherwise, listening to some podcasts. Um, so last podcast on left, I would listen to their USS Indianapolis episode, which was very, very interesting talked about just all the different experiences of the soldiers and uh, again they're a very mature podcast but they do a good job of like doing their research telling the story and then making very hilarious uh uh, jokes about it that are in very poor taste but it's funny (laughs) um (laughs) 
and then I've also been listening to this podcast, Radio Rental. Um, I just went on a walk outside and listened to an episode. It's, it is hosted by Rain Wilson, uh, a.k.a. Dwight Schrute from The Office. And it's just, it's anecdotes from these, it's, I mean, quote unquote, true stories told by the people who experienced them. It's like just different creepy things that have happened. So like okay. one of the things on the episode I listened to today, I just listened to the third one. Or I'll, I'll mention a story from the second one. It's like uh, this lady is sleeping and all of a sudden she hears a tapping at this wi- at her window. And she's like, oh, it just must be like a tree or something. And then it keeps going. And she's like, what is this tapping? And she like opened up her blinds and there's just someone tapping at her window outside like outside she had like a what should we call it when a bay window what do you call those when it's uh what do you call those windows where it's like in a basement oh um i can't remember you know we have some back in lincoln but i'm it's one of those words that i forget but you know it's kind of subterranean or whatever yeah is where her apartment is and he's like can i talk to you can i talk to you and she's like no go away (laughs) she got like and then he like Mm -hmm. left and then like the next morning she she woke up and then like she saw on the news like this guy or it was like a couple months later or something this guy got arrested it was like the guy tapping on her window and he's like this serial killer who like raped people and all this stuff (laughs) and like she was like oh my gosh um, so it's stories like that, and some of them are that creepy and true, and others are more like, oh, did something supernatural happen here? But I think the ones that are more realistic are interesting. Another one is like uh, this guy is like getting picked up by this, like getting hit on by this woman at this bar, and she's like trying to get him drunk and to go to this like place with him, and that's the one I listened to today. Um, there's usually two, three, or four per episode. Mm-hmm. You know, some are more interesting than others, but I at first was listening to them when I went to sleep at night and that was a bad idea because they're too <laughs> scary. Yeah, that, that that seems like a bad idea. Yeah. And like uh, in that one that I talked about with the tapping at the window, that's when I was listening to it and uh, there's a window right above my head and the way they like repeated the audio of the, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? Like they did had someone voice act. It was creepy. But it's the actual people like telling that from their perspective and they're like, yeah, do you think it's BS? Yes or no. And then in between it, Rain Wilson is pretending to be this like blockbuster video store ish type of guy who makes jokes about him. So, oh, nice. Interesting podcast, radio rental. They're just coming out with some new episodes too, actually. Uh, but otherwise I think that is all that I have done. Sweet. Um, well, in that case next week, Next week is an interesting week because, I mean, at least there's three movies I want to see. Um, I think we'll probably do Encanto. That's probably Encanto. The, that's Encanto. Encanto. That's probably the one that most people care about. But House of Gucci is also coming out. House of and Gucci. And Resident Evil, which I'll see, but I doubt Jimmy wants to see. Not really. Yeah. I played the game, Holden. <laughs> I get it. Um, so I, maybe House of Gucci, if, if we find the time, we'll see, but for sure in Kanto next week, we got a lot sounds of other movies coming out good. soon. So yeah, sounds good. And you know, if House of Gucci's good, it'll be around during the Oscar season again too. So. That's true. That's true. Um, in Kanto, we'll Encanto. see. Um, Encanto. 
Yeah, so if you want to leave us a request, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or by emailing us at tompodcast at gmail.com or donating to our Patreon. Um, that's it, Jimmy. That's all we got this week, Holden? I think so. All right. I hope it was worth the money that you paid for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We will talk to you again next week. Adios, pantalones. Love you. <laughs>